I remember what it was like to be like, I love my husband, but I am so done with this. I'm over it. I'm done. I've done all that I can do. I've been to all the therapy, the counselors. I've tried it all and nothing has changed. So I want to talk to those of you all today who feel like you are at the end of your rope and you want to know, is it time? You are listening to Real Relationship Talk, a podcast helping married and pre-married couples build lasting love from above. Got problems? Let's solve them. Because real trials need real truth. Now it's time to get in the game with your relationship coach and host, Dana Shea. Welcome to Real Relationship Talk, friends. I am Dana Shea, your host, and I'm so happy that you're here on today's episode. Now, you already know that what we're talking about today is a very serious topic. We are going to be talking all about divorce. And if you know me by now, or at least if you're familiar with this podcast, you know that I am a marriage coach. And you all, I am serious about marriage. I love marriage. I absolutely feel so privileged and honored as a coach to be able to help couples and walk through some of couples' difficult seasons and most difficult challenges that they're facing in their marriages. And so I'm just going to be very upfront and let you all know right out the gate that I am pro-marriage. However, I also understand that there are times in a marriage where it cannot be reconciled. And that is for many reasons. And we're going to talk about that today. But I wanted to kind of tell you what made me decide to do this particular episode today. First and foremost, this podcast, we talk all about marriage. We talk about many things that affect marriage. I mean, we've done marriage series for people who are struggling with communication. That was the whole Communication 101 series. And then we talk a lot about sex and intimacy on this podcast. We also talk a lot about rebuilding trust because I created Real Relationship Talk to help couples who are in crisis or couples who are struggling. So maybe your marriage isn't on the struggle bus. But at some point it was, or maybe you know of a couple or someone else's whose marriage is. And so every single thing that I do on this podcast, I really want it to be real practical help for couples who need some wisdom, some guidance, some advice, some hope. So a couple of days ago, I received an email that really broke my heart and I responded to this person who sent this email and um, I said, you know, I I really think that I can help you. I can help you and your situation. And so I reached out to this person and we are actually um, in further talks. But I asked this person if I could share the crux of their email because I really think that it's going to be really relevant for many of you who might be feeling the same way or maybe you're secretly questioning, is it time for me to call it quits on my marriage? How do I know if it's time to divorce? So this email came from a listener and I'm just going to say his name is TR. Okay. That's his initials. I'm not going to say his name just to respect his privacy, but he wrote, Hey, Dana, I've been listening to your podcast for about two months. My wife and I have been struggling for a while. It was actually her idea for me to start listening. Well, we've been in therapy, again, her suggestion, for almost a year, and I'm ready to be done. I love her, but it seems like nothing is changing. Long story short, she cheated two years ago. I haven't been able to move on. I'm angry, and I'll never be able to trust her. 
I do love her, but I think it's time to put this marriage to bed. Thanks for all you do to help couples. I wish I'd found your show two years ago. So when I reached out to him, first of all, he never really asked a question. So there wasn't like an answer that I needed to give to him. But I reached out to him because I could hear the frustration in his voice. Hopefully you can hear that too. I could sense the hopelessness, obviously, with him saying it's time to put this marriage to bed. He loves his wife, but he'll never trust her again. Does this sound familiar? Does this feel familiar to you? Have you ever been in a situation in your own marriage where you felt like that? I know I certainly have. If you all don't know my story, then scroll all the way back to episode two, where Sean and I talk about rebuilding trust, rebuilding us. We talk all about our story of infidelity. So Cliff Notes version, both Sean and I committed adultery in our marriage, and it has been our journey for the last 23 years to rebuild our marriage, to rebuild the trust in our marriage, to restore our friendship. And it has been done. And we're still on a journey. I don't know if the journey will ever be complete. I don't know if any marriage journey is ever complete until you die. But I know that we are both committed to practicing what we preach. We're both committed to rebuilding the trust in our marriage. And it has been restored. Our marriage is really, really solid and very healthy today. So when I read this email, I reached out to this guy because I went back in my mind 10, 15 years ago. I remember what it was like to be like, I love my husband, but I am so done with this. I'm over it. I'm done. I've done all that I can do. I've been to all the therapy, the counselors. I've tried it all and nothing has changed. So I want to talk to those of you all today who feel like you, just like this writer here, this writer of this email, you feel like you are at the end of your rope and you want to know, is it time? Dana, how do I know if it's time to divorce? So let me just go ahead and be real upfront with y'all and let you know that I'm going to be speaking from a Christian perspective. This is not news to you. If you've been following Real Relationship Talk at all, you know that everything that I do comes from a faith perspective. People always ask me, like, how did you guys restore your marriage? How did your marriage start working again? And listen, I wish I could give you like a, a five-step formula And there are tools that we learned and there are skill sets that we had to develop. But at the end of the day, y'all, this was a faith thing. This was a God thing. And so it is almost impossible for me to sit here on a podcast episode and talk to you about marriage and divorce without also incorporating faith. So if you are not someone of faith, keep listening and hopefully you'll learn something new and you'll be inspired by the end of this. If you are a person of faith, I need you to really, really listen, especially as I'm going to be sharing some real truths with you because your emotions right now are going to be telling you one thing, but I believe that your emotions cannot always be trusted. I believe that we can't make decisions based on how we're feeling. Think about it. How many of you are parents, right? How many of you always love taking care of your children, love taking your kids to carpool, love fixing your kids dinner? You just wake up and you're like, I really feel like just giving my 100% best effort to my kids today. There are times, y'all, where we just don't feel it. We don't feel like it. And that's the truth in marriage as well. There's going to be times in your marriage where you're not going to feel it. You're not going to feel like you're in love. You're not going to feel the warm and fuzzy feelings. You're not going to feel affectionate. You're not going to feel happy. 
Not being happy is one of the worst decisions or one of the worst reasons, I should say, to make the decision to divorce. Because happiness ebbs and flows. We wake up one day and life is great. Sun is shining. It's a beautiful day. We're awesome, right? We're living our dream. And then the next day, we're depressed and can't get out of the bed. Why? Because feelings are fickle. So I just want to start off by saying that we don't make decisions as big as divorce because we're not feeling happy or because our, quote, marriage isn't working. You all, if you've been listening to this show for a while, you know we end every episode by saying a good relationship is not one that works. A good relationship is one where you put in the work. So if you're thinking, I need to get divorced because my marriage just isn't working out, well, friend, it's not going to work. Marriage is not alive in and of itself. It's the people in the marriage that make the marriage work. And so I get what you're saying. I get what you're thinking. Like, this just isn't, it's something's not connecting. We, We can't figure it out. And that's where, as a coach, I come in and I help you figure it out. As a third party who's objective and outside of your situation, who can see the blind spots that you can't see, I'm able to help you to see, wow, if you switch that, change that, address this issue, stop covering up that one, then we can get on the right track. But I digress. I want to talk to you all today about when to know when it is time to divorce. So I wrote a blog post, oh my word, this was probably back in 2018, back when I used to blog all the time on Real Relationship Talk. If you go on realrelationshiptalk.com and click the blog tab, you can read all of my old blogs. And they're still relevant. I mean, there's nothing that I've written that I disagree with. But back in, I believe it was 2018, I wrote an article called When to Divorce. And I talk about the three A's. And I talk about this a lot in speaking engagements, when I'm talking to couples one-on-one in group sessions, whatever, right? There's these three main A's of when you know it's time to divorce. But recently, I've added a fourth A. And so I'm just going to give you the four A's, and then we're going to break them down one by one, okay? So the first reason that it might be time for you to divorce is if there is abuse, And I would almost say that you need to divorce if you're being abused, or at least separate, especially if you're being physically abused. I never encourage a couple to stay together if there's abuse in the marriage. Never. You can't heal a marriage if you're being beat up on or if you are beating your spouse. You just can't. There are some major issues at play that need to be addressed before you can even think about trying to restore a marriage. So abuse is a big deal. The Bible actually talks in Malachi chapter 2, 14, and this is such an important scripture because a lot of kind of like old school pastors will want to use this scripture to nullify divorce in all cases. Well, guess what? I am a pastor and I know the word and I'm going to read it to you in its full context. Okay. So Malachi 2.14, it says, the Lord has been a witness between you and the wife of your youth against whom you have dealt with treacherously, though she is your companion and your wife by covenant. So later on in that chapter, God does say, so basically make it right with your wife because I hate divorce. Oftentimes that 
I hate divorce has just been preached without any context. But the context behind it is that there were these men in the book of Malachi, these Israelite men who were mistreating their wives, or as this translation puts it, they were dealing treacherously with their wives. They were abusing their wives. And God doesn't like that. All right. He's like, these are my daughters. You have been dealing treacherously with them. So guess what, buddy? She's going to divorce you. So cut it out because I hate divorce. That's the context of that scripture. When you are in an abusive marriage, there has been all kinds of boundary violations. Obviously, there is a lack of trust. There's a lack of respect. There's a lack of honor. There's a lack of dignity. There's a lack of integrity. I mean, there are so many things that are at play other than just the abuse. And this is why I encourage couples, hey, you, you got to take a step back. You have to step out of that relationship, obviously, for your own physical safety. And then you need to figure out is this relationship viable? Is it even worth going to an anger management counselor or trying to figure out what triggers that person to be volatile or what have you? But abuse is a big deal. If you are being abused in your marriage, I am not going to sit here and tell you that you need to stay and pray and work it out. I'm going to tell you that you need some space. You need to get safe. And if there's anybody in your life, I don't care who it is, that's telling you you need to stay and pray and just trust God, that is not, I believe, the will of God for you. I do not believe that God wants any of us sitting around being beat up on and hit and abused. That's not what he created you for. So you could be somebody's punching bag so that somebody can treat you way less than you deserve. So number one, how do you know when it's time to divorce is if you are being abused, if there is abuse in your marriage. Now let's talk a little bit about emotional abuse, okay? Because this is a big one. And a lot of people will throw these terms around. My husband's a narcissist. My wife is abusive, you know? And, and what they're really meaning is that they're being emotionally abused or harmed in some way. And I don't want to make light of that. But I also don't want us to become so familiar with these psychological terms. First of all, narcissism is a mental condition that has to be diagnosed by a mental health professional. Narcissism is not something that just the ordinary person can just diagnose someone with. Now, are people selfish? Sure. Do people have selfish tendencies? Absolutely. You can see that and you can say that. But to label somebody as a narcissist or as bipolar or some of these other words that we kind of throw around, those words need to be, or those conditions, I should say, need to be addressed by a mental health professional. If you feel like you are being emotionally or mentally abused, it might warrant a divorce. But just be careful that you're not labeling that because you want out of your marriage because your spouse is mean. There's a difference between a spouse being mean or a spouse being a jerk versus a spouse who has a mental health disorder who is causing you emotional trauma by emotionally abusing you. There's a big difference there. And I would always suggest if your spouse has a mental health disorder that you see a licensed clinical therapist that can help with that. That's outside of my purview. I am not a licensed mental health therapist. So I don't even try to work with situations like that because that's not my calling or my gifting. 
I will happily refer to a licensed mental health professional. So abuse is a big deal. If you are in an abusive marriage, whether it be physical or literally emotional, real emotional abuse, or let's talk about verbal abuse. Okay, this is a big one too. Well, what if my spouse is verbally abusing me? They're cussing me out. They're calling me outside of my name. Y'all, I know this is not popular. I know this is not popular here. But again, I'm coming at this from a biblical faith-based perspective, not a purely sociological or psychological perspective. Okay, so let's make that distinction. If I was talking to someone who did not believe in the Bible or who had no kind of faith background and that person was just like, I'm going to do what I want to do and I'm going to live my life to be happy, then I might give them a little bit of a different take. But if you are someone who believes in the authority of scripture and you're trying to live your life according to the word of God, there is no exception for verbal abuse. I know that's hard, y'all. Like even saying it out of my mouth, I'm like, oh, because I wish there was because I don't believe that you should be in a marriage where someone's cutting you down and calling you outside of your name and cussing at you. But is that a reason for divorce? Probably not. Now, maybe there needs to be a separation. Maybe there needs to be some major boundaries. There definitely needs to be some major boundaries put in place so that that behavior stops. What I am not saying is that you need to just stay just like you are in a marriage where verbal abuse is at play. Verbal abuse is hurtful. It hurts our feelings. It's, 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 in, it's immature. It's irresponsible. It's unnecessary. And it does need to stop. But I would not venture as to say that you need to divorce if your spouse cusses at you or if they're calling you names. I think that we can work on some boundaries and we can work on some anger issues. There's other things that you can do before you hit the divorce button. Okay, so when I'm saying abuse, I am literally talking about physical and medically or mentally diagnosed emotional abuse. All right, so that's number one, abuse. Number two, adultery. I've already talked to you all about my story with adultery. And again, I mean, we talk about trust a lot on this on this podcast because it's real. I mean, some of the happiest marriages today went through major trust violations. I have seen marriage after marriage after marriage restored. And that's why I'm so passionate about this topic. Not a, not passionate about adultery. I'm passionate about restoration of marriages because I've seen it too many times. And I know that there are many times that couples feel like their their marriages can't be saved. They can't be restored. They can't be redeemed. And then God steps in there and a miracle happens when the couples do the work of restoration. So I am a living witness myself. And I'm also telling you what I have seen many times. So adultery is a big deal to God as well. Hebrews 13, 4 says, marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure for God will judge the adulterer and all of the sexually immoral. There are so many scriptures that talk about the purity of marriage and it's not just the marriage bed. It's not just talking about like, oh, when you're having sex, don't have third parties, even though, duh, like we we should all get that, right? But it's also talking about the integrity of the marriage itself, not bringing in someone, whether that be through pornography, whether that be through um, throupling and all of this stuff that we see going on today. Y'all, we got to make a distinction. Again, I'm talking to people who are faith-based here. 
we have to make a distinction between who we are as believers and who the world is. What the world portrays as okay is not okay for us. It's just not. You cannot have that stuff in your marriage because it's detrimental. It's not just because God wanted to give us another rule to take away our fun. But it's because it hurts. It's detrimental. I have never met a wife, not one wife, who has said to me, I love it when my husband does porn. It makes me feel so respected. I have never met a wife who has said, when my husband asked if we could bring a third party into to our marriage, I just felt so enlightened. I've never met a wife like that. Maybe you have, but I haven't. Adultery kills. Adultery is destructive. Adultery ruins so much in a marriage. And it this is why it is so hard to come back from. The marriages who have been restored after adultery took major work, major forgiveness, major repentance. It's not something that we just flippantly say, oh, well, I mean, if I cheat, then my spouse will forgive me. I mean, our reader here, our writer here who wrote this email is saying like, I can't move on. It's been two years and I can't move on. So it's not anything to play with. Adultery is serious business. And if your marriage has been affected by adultery, it might be time for you to divorce. Now, I will say this. The Bible does give an allowance for that. He gives an allowance. God gives an allowance for you to divorce. You don't have to. So when people ask me about my personal story, and again, my personal story isn't prescriptive. I'm not telling y'all to do, do it just like I did it. No, 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 no. You have to seek God for yourself and you have to ask God, what is he saying to you? For me, I didn't have a release from my marriage. It wasn't like God was saying, no, you're not allowed to leave. I didn't feel released yet. I felt like there's some hope. There's something. I just, I don't know why I believe, but I just had like a little, you know, the Bible talks about that little mustard seed of faith. That's what I had, that, that little teeny tiny little glimmer of hope. And until that glimmer completely died, I was willing to continue to try. Now, my husband was in repeated adultery. This wasn't like a one hit wonder and we just went on with our lives. Like he was in cycles. Okay. And, and it was hard, y'all. I'm not sitting here telling you that this is easy stuff. But what I am saying is that there's a difference between someone who makes a mistake. And I'm even saying that kind of um, tentatively, I guess, because I don't believe adultery is a mistake. I do believe it's a choice, a willful choice, a stupid, destructive choice. But there is a difference between someone who, let's say, gets drunk at a bar and has a one-night stand versus someone who has like 12 women on the side and they're just cheating on you all the time and you're wondering, should I stay with this person or not? And listen, only you will know that. Only you will know when you get to that point when enough is enough and you're like, this is done. This person is not showing any evidence of change. This is the, the ticker here, you guys. Here it is right here. If your spouse is not showing any desire to change, or if they're saying something, but they're doing something else, so they might be saying all the right words, they might even be in, in counseling with you or coaching with you, but they are not really putting forth the effort to change, well, then you have your answer, don't you? You can't make someone be faithful to you. You can't make someone do something that they don't want to do. I remember a conversation I had with Sean, and I was like, listen, I'm not needy. I, I'm, that's just not how I am. I'm not begging you to be with me. I will be okay on my own. But if you are going to be with me, 
you're going to need to decide, do you want to be married? Do you want to be single? If you want to be single, go be single. But if you're going to be married to me, then we're not going to have all the other folks in our marriage. And that's where we need to get to a point where you just have to decide for yourself, what are you okay with? Are you okay with your spouse having multiple partners and just your your marriage bed just being open to all? Or are you going to say, listen, I'm drawing a line in the sand. You either get it together or you don't. But if you don't, I'm going to have to separate here. And again, this is an important decision. I never counsel people to divorce. That is above my pay grade. And I'm talking about like that's between you and God. But I will tell you that if nothing changes, nothing changes. You can't just simply hope that your spouse is going to change one day and they're not doing anything to change and then think that you're going to have some sort of a happy marriage. It doesn't quite work that way. So if you're caught up in cycles of adultery with an unrepentant spouse, it might be time for you to consider divorce. Do you ever wonder what is the secret to a truly happy marriage? Maybe you find yourself looking at other couples wondering, what do they know that I don't? Well, friend, I have developed a free resource for you. It's a free audio called Seven Secrets to a Happy Marriage. These are some principles that I've learned in my own 23-year marriage that I know it's going to encourage you on your journey to having a truly happy and healthy marriage. Download your free resource today at realrelationshiptalk.com forward slash seven secrets. That's realrelationshiptalk.com forward slash seven secrets. Now let's get to our show. Number three is abandonment. What happens if your spouse just ups and leaves you? What are you supposed to do? They, they, they take everything. They clear out the bank account. They take the furniture or maybe they just leave. Maybe they leave everything. They leave the money alone. They leave the furniture alone, but they leave. What are you supposed to do? Are you supposed to just stay and and wait for them to come back? Well, listen to what the Bible says here. In 1 Corinthians 7.15, it says, But if the husband or wife isn't a believer and insists on leaving, let them go. In such cases, the Christian husband or wife is no longer bound to the other, for God has called you to live in peace. We are not supposed to be running down behind spouses who decide they no longer want to be married to us. The Bible says, if they leave, let them go. Now, I know that people are going to say, oh, but that's talking about if a spouse leaves the faith. Yeah, and it's also talking about a spouse who leaves you. They've lost their faith in their marriage for whatever reason, and they've left. So you are not obligated in that case any longer to that marriage. Now, does that mean that you need to go file for divorce court the same day? No, not necessarily. If you want to stay and believe God and hope that they'll come back, then do that. But I'm talking about couples or people who are like, my spouse literally abandoned me and I have not heard from them or they've gone on with their life. They're living a whole nother life, but you're still legally married. I just want to free you from feeling like you have to stay in that situation. Again, I'm not telling you to divorce. I'm sharing with you sometimes some reasons that you may need to consider, is this an option for me? And then the fourth one, and this is, again, a new one, if you will. I don't normally talk about addiction because it's messy, y'all. I mean, the whole thing about addiction is so messy, I know that there are people who have struggled with addiction and they don't want to struggle. 
and they're trying so hard to quit. Addiction is a disease, according to the, the American Psychological Association, right? The APA. It is an, a disease. It, it's, it's a disease. It's something that people try to overcome and through willpower alone, they are unable to. Depending on what substances a person is taking, it literally can alter your hormones and your um, brain to not be able to fight it off. So what I am not saying is that that's an excuse and that that's okay. And I mean, I mean, they they can't help it. So just stay with them. I'm not saying that. What I am saying, though, is that addiction is a little bit deeper than just saying that addiction is a choice for somebody. I thank God I have never had a drug addiction. I've never been addicted to alcohol or any substances, but I have been addicted to lesser things, right? Like sweets. I know this might sound silly, but if any of you have been addicted to sugar, you know that's a real addiction. When you feel lethargic and you're like, oh, I, feel, I hate how I feel, but you're still eating it. Like, I just had a small little taste of what addiction must be like. And my heart goes out to people who are struggling with addiction because I know that if they could stop, they would stop. Many of them would stop. So maybe you're married to someone and they've got a drug addiction. Or they've got an addiction to alcohol. What do you do? Do you stay with that person and love them through it? Maybe. Maybe that is your calling in their life. Or maybe they're doing some really destructive things and you need to separate from them. And again, that is a choice that you're going to have to make with God. Now let's talk about some other addictions that might not be... um, medical, like like a drug addiction or a alcohol addiction. Let's talk about like porn addiction. Or maybe you're married to somebody and they're addicted to shopping. And so they're um, spending way too much money and it's causing you to start having financial problems in your marriage. There's all sorts of addictions, right? And truth be told, if we look at all of our lives, we could probably all say, oh, I'm addicted to this or I'm addicted to that. So then this is where it becomes messy and fuzzy. Because there will be some people who would say, oh, well, my spouse is addicted to shopping and I'm done. Or, well, my spouse is addicted to um, themselves and I'm done. I don't know. I, I don't know where the line is, but I will give you some parameters. I think anytime a spouse is doing something that is causing physical harm to themselves or to you, that's a boundary violation. I also think that anytime a spouse is doing something that would alter your uh, standard of living. So let's say a, a spouse has a gambling addiction and they're gambling your house away and they're gambling your finances away and they're gambling away your savings. I mean, that there's got to be a boundary there. So addictions are messy and there is no cut and dry answer. It's not black and white to just say, hey, if your spouse is addicted, then you need to divorce or don't divorce. I'm going to tell you that if you are a believer, you really need to pray this through because I do believe that there are situations where God is going to say, my grace is sufficient for you. And then there are going to be other situations where God is going to give you the okay, like, listen, your spouse is not going to change. They've decided that this is their life. This is the life that they have chosen. And you have really no place in that anymore. Not because you don't want to be there, but because that's what they've chosen. 
So as you all can see, these are not easy topics to talk about. I don't ever have a conversation with a couple or a spouse or a person, just a solo spouse. I don't have conversations with them about divorce in one session. Mm -mm. It's way too deep for that. We need to really think this through. We need to think about the fallout because there are going to be some consequences. Even if you, as the spouse, you're not the one in the wrong, there's still going to be some consequences. There's loss. Divorce is a death. And there's going to be loss. And I know it sucks and I know it's not fair and it's not right and it's hurtful. I understand it. And this is why we're going to really go slow here. If a couple tells me, Dana, I'm ready to divorce, like this writer of this email, I'm ready to divorce. All right, let's take a step back. Let's look at all your options. Is this wife really not willing to change or is she just struggling? Or are you just not able to forgive her because you can't let it go? I don't know. I haven't delved that deep into this situation yet, but we will. So my encouragement to you, if you're listening to this and if you're wondering, when is it time to divorce? I'll leave you with a few things. One, one of my um, spiritual mentors told me years ago, years ago, and I never forgot this. She said, follow the way of peace. When you're struggling with a major decision, After you've prayed and after you have submitted your decision to the Lord, then trust the peace of God. The Bible says that peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds. It's that peace that passes all understanding. That means that it goes beyond your own understanding and you'll know it when you feel it. I remember very vividly the day that things came to a head for me and Sean, and I had never gotten to that point where I was like, okay, I'm going to leave. Because like I told you, I always have that little mustard seed of faith, that little glimmer of hope, like something can change. I believe it. I believe it. But there did come a day, friends, when I had had enough. And when I realized this is a cycle of behavior that is not going to change unless I do something. And so it was in that moment that I felt, this is my story, okay? This is not, again, this is not prescriptive. This is my story. There was a moment where I felt like God told me, if you stay, I will bless you. But if you leave, I will bless you. And that is when I felt the release. I was like, all right, well, I'm done. And do you all know that within days or maybe weeks, it's been so long ago, I forget. It was very, very shortly after that moment. Sean had a major breakthrough in his life. And I don't know that it was just me getting to that point of surrender. Like I'm willing to give this thing up. I'm I'm tired of fighting it. I'm not going to fight it anymore. I don't know if that helped to propel him to that change or if it was just coincidentally, I'm having this epiphany and he's also having a different kind of epiphany and they just collided at the same time. I don't know. But what I do know is that decision did not... Um, first of all, obviously we're still married, so I didn't make that choice, but that decision was not something that I would have entered into lightly. And this is really the whole point of me doing this episode is that there are so many couples who are just divorcing so easily. Listen, there is no judgment. Okay. I have some of my closest friends are divorced and I love them dearly. And there's no shame ever. I will never shame someone because of a choice that they've made, but I will encourage you if you are not at that place yet to really seek some wise counsel. 
Don't just listen to your feelings. Don't just listen to your emotions. Don't listen to your family members or your friends or people who might be telling you, girl, you don't need this. You could do better than that. Or maybe it's a man. Hey, guy, you don't need this. Your wife, she doesn't deserve you. You could do better than her. Don't listen to that. Hopefully, you've got some kind of faith and you can pray and you can say, God, this is what I'm dealing with here. What do you want for my life? What should I do? Direct me, lead me, tell me the way that I should go. If you pray that, God will, he will hear you and he will guide you and he will direct you. I just want to encourage you today that a lot of times what seems hopeless, it's really not hopeless as you think. You may have heard it said that it's always darkest before the dawn. And, and yes, listen, I know people used to tell me that kind of stuff too. Like when I was really going through, I don't want to hear that. I know you probably don't want to hear that. But I feel responsible to tell you that all hope is not always gone when you think it is. So address this whole decision of divorce seriously, prayerfully, slowly, and wisely. And if you would like to schedule a discovery call with me so that we can hop on the phone and just kind of talk about your options, you can always schedule that. I'll put the link to where you can find that in the show notes of this podcast. So thank you all for your attention to the subject. Divorce is a very serious decision, especially when there are children involved. And so my hope and my prayer for you is that you don't even have to get to the point of divorce, that somehow, some way, there will be a change in your marriage that will catapult you into the next step in your journey, a step that doesn't include divorce. But for those of you who divorce is your choice, know that there is still hope for you. And there's recovery after that. I've done episodes with people on this podcast who have tremendous stories of hope after divorce. Actually, one of my favorite episodes was way back, um, episode six, I want to say. I interviewed Javier and Christina Lorena, and they were on the brink of divorce, literally about to divorce, and their marriage was restored. Also, episode 83 with Chris and Steph Teague. Oh, I love that episode so much. They did divorce. And then they got remarried. (laughs) Such an incredible story of God's grace. And then there's others like Hallie Lord, who she divorced and she's not going to remarry her husband. It was not a viable marriage at all. There was lots and lots of issues there. So be encouraged wherever you are. Please enter into this decision prayerfully and thoughtfully. So thank you all so much for listening today. You can find the show notes to this episode on my website at realrelationshiptalk.com forward slash episode 135. And again, I will link to both of those podcast episodes that I mentioned, as well as every other link that I've discussed in this podcast. We'll have all the links there. And if you need someone to pray with you and stand with you and advise you, then I will also link to how you can schedule a discovery call with me. If this podcast has been an inspiration or an encouragement or maybe made you think about some things, or if you know that there is someone in your life who really needs to hear this message, would you do me a favor and share this with them? With one or two people that you're like, listen, you need to listen to this because I know that your marriage right now is going through some things. And before you pull the trigger on that, listen to this podcast first. So it's super simple to share the episode. If you're listening on Apple, Spotify, wherever you are listening from, you can simply click the share icon, share this episode with them. And 
allow them some space. Sometimes, y'all, we want to help our friends so bad. And sometimes our friends just need us to listen and they just need our presence. They don't need a whole bunch of advice. So thanks again for listening today. And I'm going to end this episode like I end every other episode and say, especially today, a good relationship is not one that works. A good relationship is one where you put in the work. Let's get to work, my friends. I will see you on the next episode. Take care. Thank you for listening to Real Relationship Talk with Dana Shea. Find the show notes, helpful articles, and more relationship tips at realrelationshiptalk.com. Enjoying the show? Be sure to rate and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And remember to subscribe. We'll see you on the next episode. Hi, I'm Zach. And I'm Randy. And we're from Salty Saints Podcast. We're a theology and apologetics podcast. To find out more, subscribe at lifeaudio.com.